Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Well, Nikki Haley has resigned. My prediction, she's going to run for the Senate in South Carolina in two years, and she is going to run for president in 2024. But who knows? It's just my guess. I mean, she's, she's right enough, hard right enough to satisfy Trump. She's moderate enough to satisfy the Main Street Republicans. She's a minority, which gives her super cred in Trump world and outside. And eh, we'll see what happens. And she's a woman. We'll see what happens. I think that she has a wide open path into the future. It's going to be interesting to see how she decides to choose or exploit that. There's a, uh, a historian from Columbia University, Stephanie McCurry, who says that the current split in American society this one, a piece by Brad Reed and Ross Story, that the current split in American society mirrors the split over the legalization of slavery that occurred in the mid-19th century. And what's so weird is that, you know, we're not having a crisis like the Civil War. This is a, to a large extent, obviously there are divisions in our society and there are inconsistencies and inequalities and a lot of stuff going on that's wrong. For example, all the people in prison, you know, uh, people of color being killed by police, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not what the split is about, right? The split is that white people, particularly white men, feel, quote, cultural alienation. And when they measure that cultural alienation, that feeling that I'm under attack, my country's under attack, those people are coming to take my whatever, you know, my my home, my job, my wife, my kids, my what, you know, fill in the blanks. When you measure that, you find that that feeling of alienation has actually increased since Donald Trump became president. Now, why would that be? Because he's feeding it. Because this is what he has to sell. Him and Fox News and right-wing hate radio. Oh, my God, look out. They're coming to get you. Even if they have to lie to do it. Politico has a piece up by Edward Isaac Dovers. 
titled House Republicans Distort and Dissemble in Slashing TV Ads. These are words that they use instead of the word lie. But what they're talking about are lies. It's just that simple. This is a super PAC that is run by Paul Ryan that is funded by, among others, the Koch brothers. Remember, they famously gave him a half a million, $500,000 the day after he passed the tax cut. They get billions. Ryan gets 500,000 and boom, these ads start showing up. In one spot, this is quoting from the article, in one spot, a former CIA operative is accused of harboring terrorist sympathies. In another, military vets are said to be anti-American. Yeah, the world is upside down. Democratic House candidate Jason Crow received a bronze star for heroism in Iraq. He was lawyer of the year for his veterans advocacy. So this guy's a veteran, a wounded and decorated veteran who got the lawyer of the year award from his state for his work, his law work after he came back from Iraq on behalf of veterans. And Paul Ryan's super PAC is running ads saying that he has neglected Colorado's veterans. Right. Democrat Abigail Spanberger, who is running against Dave Bratt. This is an amazing story. This is an absolutely amazing story. Virginia Democrat Abigail Spanberger spent nearly a decade fighting terrorists as an undercover CIA officer. And Republicans are running ads right now saying that she harbors terrorist sympathies. Why? Because for two years she taught Muslims English as a second language. Now, while she was doing that and thereafter officially, she was working for the CIA. She was spying on these people. And she's running now as a Democrat, right? I mean, you know, she, talk about military cred. And the Republicans are saying, well, you know, she taught those uh, Muslims. We can't have that. There's another one. Ohio Democrat Afteb Purval, for instance, uh, accuses the Indian Tibetan first generation American. These are the attack ads. Accuses him of aiding his former employer in making millions by helping Libyans reduce payments owed to American families killed by Libyan terrorism. It's because he worked for a law firm where he was doing antitrust litigation. Had nothing to do with Libyans or anything else. And he joined the firm after they did this work for the Libyans. And not mentioned in the ad was the fact that former President George W. Bush backed the settlement negotiation with Libya that his firm worked on. And the Steve Shabbat, the guy who he's running against, was fine with it when he was in the House of Representatives. Well, he still is when it was approved by the House. But the super PAC says that these ads, which tell lies about a Democrat, are actually increasing the poll numbers for the Republicans. Time after time after time, we're seeing this. Number one. Number two, then I get this press release yesterday. I, you know, I'm on the right wing press release list as well as the left wing. And this is one that's from FreedomWorks. This is the group that the Kochs funded years ago and I believe still are. FreedomWorks for America announces $100,000 independent expenditure in October to support vulnerable candidates. You know, the news media is all sitting around going, gee, look at this, this Republican, that Republican. They'll take race by race. They'll go, all of a sudden they're tightening up. What could be happening? Is it because the voters are getting upset? No, it's because the Koch brothers are pouring their $300 million into the campaign. Representative Dave Bratt is getting 
money from Freedom Works. Ted Budd, a Republican in North Carolina, getting money from Freedom Works. Peter Roskam, Republican in Illinois, 6th District, getting money from the Koch brothers. Mark Harris, Republican in North Carolina's 9th District, getting money for the Koch brothers. The Koch brothers, by the way, live in New York and Nebraska. Denver Riggleman, Republican candidate for Virginia's 5th District. This is what they're bragging about, right? Literally, I got a press release. So what's the Republican strategy going into the midterm elections, into the congressional elections here? Angry mob. Matt Visor and Robert Costa writing in the Washington Post. When thousands of furious, screaming protesters marched toward the Capitol over the week. Okay, you and I saw this and we saw, oh, cool, activism. Quote, Republican staffers peered out at the scene from the windows above. They were not alarmed, but elated. Republicans have cast the Trump resistance movement as, quote, an angry mob that threatens the country's order. They note that Trump and the Republicans who control Congress and the White House have massive financial and media infrastructure behind them, and they're casting themselves as defenders at the barricades. Dave Bratt, once again, I mentioned him. You know, they're running lying ads against his opponent. He's running against the liberal mob, GOP Senate candidate Corey Stewart has decried the mob tactics that tried to destroy Kavanaugh. Congressman Peter King, Republican from New York, chasing senators down the hall, running up the stairs of the Capitol. We've been taken aback by how people have reacted to it. We're responding. See, the Republicans are using this stuff on Fox News and on right-wing hate radio, and it's working. They're turning it into ads. The characterization, Visor and Costa write, evokes fear of an unknown and out-of-control mass of people. With its emphasis on the impact on traditional values in white voters, particularly men, it strikes the same notes as earlier Trump fanned attention to immigrants, MS-13 gang members, and African-American football players protesting police treatment of young black men. See, it's all kind of one fabric. The mob is coming. Who is the mob? Everybody except white men. Right? The mob is those women. It's those African-American football players. It's, you know, this is their shtick. And they say this is a a modern incarnation of Richard Nixon talking about the rioting, the 1968 riots at the DNC, which were provoked by the Chicago police, let us remember. That's when Nixon started referring to anti-war protesters as the mob. Leftists, feminists, and academics, celebrities, Michael Avenatti, George Soros, Maxine Waters, this is the mob, they say. And really what it means is that the tax cuts are not stimulating their base, the tax cuts for billionaires. And the Democrats are seriously PO'd. John Weaver, a longtime Republican strategist, said it's aiming to fire up Fox viewers. I'm sure there's some little old lady in Iowa who now keeps her doors locked because she thinks there's going to be some anarchist mob coming through Davenport. He continues, they want to take the freedom to assemble and turn it into a negative, dehumanize and belittle and dismiss the current activism. And they point out this has been months in the making. The Republicans have been planning for this. They were hoping that women would come out in huge numbers. Chuck Grassley, they've encouraged mob rule. Orrin Hatch, a paid mob. Marco Rubio, imagine the coverage on cable news of an angry mob of conservatives stormed the steps of the Supreme Court building. Actually, that happened. It was called a Tea Party. And the media loved it. Mitch McConnell, we stood up to the mob. Trump, the radical Democrats, have turned into an angry mob. The liberal mob attacking Dave Bratt is coming out of Dave Bratt's most recent ad. 
This is what the Republicans are running on. That if you have protested, you're not an American citizen exercising his or her First Amendment or their First Amendment right to petition your government for redress of grievance, which we used to think was an all-American value. No, you're a mob. You're part of the mob. So the question, will the mob show up and vote? I was rather shocked this morning to see Jacob Sabaroff, the uh, MSNBC reporter, show up at a university in California and just walk up to a group of about 25 or 30 students, all over 18 college students, and say, how many of you intend to vote? Out of the entire group, one person raised his hand. One. Under 35, half the voting rate of every other group. This is the Tom Hartman Program. If you know a young person who is not registered to vote, and odds are you do, have a talk with them, please. Connie in Malaga, Washington. Hey, Connie, thanks for watching us on Free Speech on DirecTV. What's up? Just want to ask you something. I know that we go through these cycles, and we have the suffragette movement. We had, um, you know, the feminist movement. If I may correct you, um, suffragette yeah. was a word that men used uh, back in the 1900, early 1900s to ridicule okay. the suffragists. The suffragette was a term of derisement. I, I, you know, I, I keep hearing people use that term, but it's the, it's the old term that was used to put them down. Just so you know. B- back to you, Connie. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Hey, I learned something today. It's the well, suffrage movement, women. the women's suffrage movement. Okay, that movement where, you know, you had no rights and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, then we went to, you know, like when I was in college, we went to kind of like the feminist movement with Gloria Steinem. Mm -hmm. And now we've got the hashtag Me Too movement. Right. So what I'm wanting to know is, do you think there's going to be another, do you think this woman's rise will be of any help? Do you think that people standing, you know, protesting is going to help? What do you think? I Why think. Just love each other. I, yeah, I think back in the 1970s and 80s, and uh, even even the 90s, when Republicans ridiculed feminism, uh, you'll, you'll recall for you know decades, Rush Limbaugh, maybe he still does, talked about feminazis. Um, that 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 resonated with uh, white men to a large extent, and even many white women. I mean, you keep in mind, 53 percent of white women voted for Donald Trump, who was essentially saying the same thing. I think, though, that uh, the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh, the stories of, uh, you know, and I I think there's actually a confluence between this and and the video stories of young black men being shot by white cops uh, or being shot Mm -hmm. by cops, not always white, but but being shot by, you know, by blue. Um, I think it's bringing together this this it's shocking uh, people who previously were uh, politically largely uninformed and causing them to realize that there is something going on here, that white male privilege actually is a thing, and that it's been going on too long and it's gone too far. And so my guess is that, you know, each of these movements builds on the other. I mean, you could go back to, you know, Abigail Adams in 1787, writing to her husband, don't forget the ladies, and we will fight against you if you don't put women in the Constitution. And Adams Mm -hmm. wrote back to her saying, men are not gonna give up their prerogatives. 
So you had that, and then you had Sarah Bradwell in, in the 1870s who tried to practice law in Chicago and was told by a judge that as a woman she couldn't even be in the courtroom. Around that same time, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony voted and was arrested for it in November of 1878, as I recall. And so there's been all of these movements, and I think each one has built on the last. And it certainly feels to me like we're at a tipping point. Do you get that same sense, Connie? I absolutely agree. You do agree? I agree because I'm like a woman and I have sued a company, a corporation for harassment. One, I don't know. Yeah. I need a young person to vote, 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 vote. Never yeah. thought about it when I was young, but anymore it's like. Oh. Amen. Connie, I'm out of time, but thank you. Well said. We'll be right back. BlindsGalore.com was the first place you could buy custom window treatments online. And because of that, they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for over 20 years and have covered over 2 million windows and know exactly how to get you the right blinds at the right price. They make it easy. They made it easy for Louise and me to go in and order. It was a breeze. It will be for you, too. Blinds Galore's products are hand-built from scratch, delivered right to your door, and created just for your windows. Their expert team is happy to help you every step of the way, either online or over the phone. Plus, they have the industry's best guarantee. If you don't like your custom blinds or shades for any reason, wrong color, you measured wrong, you don't like the style, you can exchange it for another covering for free. Blinds Galore will even set you up with 15 free samples and free shipping on top of the free expertise. It doesn't get any better than that. Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know we sent you. That's BlindsGalore.com. So it's really interesting, you know, Axios is reporting this, Mike Allen's thing, but he's reporting that media companies are now doubling down on politics because suddenly politics is the new thing. Ever since Trump was elected, everybody's paying attention to politics. Why? Because Trump knows how to put on a reality show. And TV loves reality shows. Why? Because they're cheap. You'll recall back in the late 90s or early 2000s, there was a big writer's strike in Hollywood. And the TV networks, you know, they had contracts. They couldn't, they couldn't put shows on the air that weren't written by union writers. And the union writers had walked out. So what were they going to do? Well, the television networks invented this new genre, this brand new kind of television called the reality show, where they just bring, you know, either actors or real people in and they would, you know, play things out, whether it was dating games or whether it was how to take on your boss or whether it was, there was just a whole bunch of, and some of them were just, hey, look at me, you know, Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton and whatnot. And I don't know if those came out of that era, but you get what I'm talking about. These reality shows were cheap to produce. You didn't have to pay writers. You know, the producers and directors didn't have that much to do. It was simple. And then the reality shows, once the writers were back, then they started actually writing for the reality shows like Celebrity Apprentice or The Apprentice, Donald Trump's two shows. And those shows were carefully scripted to make Donald Trump look like the wise, successful businessman that he isn't. And to make the people coming there as, you know, the eager supplicants who are going to learn a brilliant lesson and be so grateful when they're done. Well, what they discovered was, A, reality shows get great ratings, and B, they're super cheap to produce. And they've been looking for the new reality show. You know, what's going to be the, the new thing, right? They've tried all these things, sticking people on desert islands and, you know, who's going to date who and, you know, are they going to hop into bed and blah, blah, blah. And it's all kind of passe. Well, the new reality show is Donald Trump in the White House. 
And of course, it's starring a reality TV star who you know did this for 10 or 11 years and knows how to do it well. So uh, Axios is reporting that media company, companies are now doubling down on even more politics. And they point out at a relatively low cost. And uh, they say in the last 90 days, politics has held steady as the number one most read category of thousands of member websites within the database of leading traffic. Cable news networks have seen record ratings. The Kavanaugh confirmation, for example, was Fox News's most watched Saturday primetime since the 2003 Iraq war. So expect to see a hell of a lot more of this stuff. The question is, is that going to a near benefit to Trump or is it going to hurt him or both? Meanwhile, Beto O'Rourke is fighting back. This is actually it's not even Beto. It's an outside group. And the Richard Linklater produced a movie called Bernie. And it, it features a guy named Sonny Carl Davis. It's a great play on uh, Ted Cruz's I'm tough as Texas. And, uh, of course, the tagline on his ads is, Ted Cruz is tough as Texas. Vote for him. So we'll hear the uh, pushback on that in just a moment. And then I'll pick up your phone calls. And uh, we'll be back with the new Tough as Texas ad about uh, Beto O'Rourke, who's becoming a rock star. He spoke to 50,000 people, Beto O'Rourke. 50,000 people this week. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. I mean, here you got this young guy from Texas who's pulling Obama and Bernie-sized crowds. This guy's going to be running for president in six or ten years. Well, so Ted Cruz is uh, campaigning across Texas as I'm the tough guy, right? I'm the Texas hombre. You know, you don't mess with Texas, don't mess with Ted. Ted Cruz is tough as Texas. That's, those are the ads. And here's the ad that this pack has put up to talk back to Ted. Somebody left something on my door the other day. Is it Ted Cruz, tough as Texas? <laughs> I mean, come on. If somebody called my wife a dog and said my daddy was in on the Kennedy assassination, I wouldn't be kissing their ass. You stick a finger in their chest and give them a few choice words. Or you drag their ass out by the woodshed and kick their ass, Ted. Come on. Ted. Okay, that, so, there you go. Come on, Ted. I love it. I absolutely love it. Speaking of Texas, Ray in Florence, Texas. Hey, Ray, what's on your mind? Morning, Mr. Hartman. Uh, I love that ad. Yeah, me too. You can call me Tom, Ray. What's up? Okay, uh, okay Tom. Just calling to remind voters in Texas and across the country, make sure that you're registered to vote. We've had over a million registered this election cycle and over 400,000 of that since March, since the primary. Wow. And we're closing on 500,000. That is great. Is the uh, state playing games of those registrations like they're doing in Georgia and and North Carolina, or are they actually uh, letting them go onto the rolls? They're trying to to block some people. There's a bunch of them that submitted their signatures uh, digitally, and Mm. there's a big fight over that. Yeah. But and I know there's different sites where you can check or you can call certain phone numbers to check and see if you're registered. And if you're not, you can get go and submit another registration and they can get you on the rolls. There you go. And today. Yeah. And just remember that those right wingers, they want to enforce a natural law and order. So we got to make sure we step up and, and do our part to create a movement for democracy to push back against authoritarianism. There you go. Ray, what kind of ads is Ted Cruz running in Texas? Uh, there's mostly a big one about uh, that he's you know against uh, the energy, energy sector. He's against oil and natural gas. 
Oh, they're saying that, uh, so the Ted Cruz ads are attack ads against Beto O'Rourke, saying he's he's opposed to the fossil fuel industry, basically. That's that's the main one I've been seeing. It shows other ones around. Yeah, fascinating. Do you think most Texans identify as, hey, we're the state of fossil fuels, and that's a good thing? Do you think that's working? Good number. I mean, it's it's a sizable number, but I know it's, uh, with our economy becoming a lot more diverse, there's, uh, you know, definitely a lot of folks that have different views of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's a huge state. Okay, Ray, thanks a lot for the call, and thanks for the heads up on that. Corky in Hilton, New York. Hey, Corky, what's up? How's it going, Tom? Good. What's on your mind? Yeah, well, you know, we're all talking about politics. This this is a crime family. Yeah, the Trump, you're, you're talking about the Trump crime family. Yeah, sure. It's a crime family. They break laws. They don't pay their taxes. I know. Every time I go on Fox, I use that phrase, and they haven't invited me back in a while. I'm guessing that's why. <laughs> Although the first time I used it, the next day, the first time I used that phrase on Fox News, the next day, Sean Hannity started talking about uh, Democratic crime families, the Clinton crime family. <laughs> oh, jeez. They even steal our stick. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So your, your point, Corky, is what? My point is they're a crime family. You've got to start treating them like that. Okay. All right. I, I agree. And, uh, you know, in, in fact, I think this uh, New York Times uh, reporting showing that Trump has, you know, he, he's only rich because of fraud. He, he just took massive amounts of money from his daddy's estate and then wasted it repeatedly. His daddy kept having to bail him out. It's insane. Uh, Joan in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Joan, what's on your mind today? Hey, um, uh, I saw you on uh, The Real Time with Bill Mayer. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were pretty good. Thank you. You were pretty good. Thank you. Bill does but a good my, show. Uh, huh? Bill does a great show. I was pleased to be yes, there. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But um, I was calling for two reasons. One is the messaging of the Democrats. Mm -hmm. They really need someone like Frank Lutz. I think I'm pronouncing it right, last name. Because you, just like you just said, the more complex you get with your message, the less people hear you. So you really have to speak in what I call bumper sticker ease. Yep. You know, catcher phrases, phrases that will stick to you. They're short, but they're memorable. Yeah. Like the one that Obama used uh, when he was running the first time. Mm-hmm. And But the Democrats seem to resist that, and I don't understand why. I mean, all of the communication nowadays is short and succinct. To talk to someone uh, using compound sentences mm. or even short paragraphs and you lose them yeah so you have to come up with phrases that are catchy and memorable and that's how the uh republicans outdo the democrats all the time the democrats are doing good work but if you don't get it out there to the people they won't know about it and if you don't get it out to them in a way that they can digest readily and easily you haven't done anything yeah. And as far as the situation now with Trump, I've seen this coming since the early 70s. I knew, and then when Clinton got in in the 90s and went to the right of center, mm. I knew this was just a matter of time. Yeah. And, and then as Obama was elected, 
White males just lost their minds. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything to help black people. He didn't really do anything to help poor people. Well, he tried. But, I mean, as far as helping black people specifically, which was the fear of whites, he did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. But I knew that as a response to his presidency, I'm not surprised that Trump won, because this is what America does. It takes one step in the right direction and two back. Yeah, over and over and over again. Uh, Joan, I, over and over again. Yeah, your, your point is really well taken. And I wish that, you know, I, I wrote a book for the Democrats back in 2008 called Cracking the Code about uh, political messaging and how to boil things down. And like you said, bumper stickeries. And, and uh, you know, Mark Pocan talks about campaigning on values instead of issues. And, and somehow, you know, outside of the Progressive Caucus, Democrats are missing it. Joan, thank you. Let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by Goats for the Old Goat.com and uh, Loving What You Do, a new book by Ellen Ratner. On the line with us is Luke Vargas, the chief foreign correspondent for Talk Media News, joins us from New on headquarters in New York. You can follow him on Twitter at The Courier. Hey, Luke, what's up? Hey, Tom, it's been an unexpectedly busy day here at the United Nations, or actually not even here. I mean, Nikki Haley was in Washington to tender her resignation to the president. But certainly the U.N., uh, whenever we're the uh, above the fold story on Drudge Report, you realize it's a pretty big day at the United Nations. Yeah. Hey, on, um, on Nikki Haley first, there's, yeah. there is uh, uh, gossip, shall we say, that uh, she knows that the Mueller investigation is going to drop right after the elections in, in mid-November and that the... Uh, uh, Kaka is going to hit the fan really big in November and December, and she does not want to be part of the administration when that happens. Uh, she's staying until January, but she will not be viewed as part of the administration through this process. Uh, do, you, do you give any credence to that? It's hard for me to uh, give that a validation or to cast it aside, but I will say that uh, the way I see it, there's no downside for her leaving now, and right. only an upside. Um, you get to, I think once you push to two years in an administration, your exit is viewed in different terms than if you leave, you know, six months in or even a year in. I think among the sort of the base, you're viewed as having put in your time and having yeah. left in a predictable fashion as opposed to creating a scandal for the president to have to uh, defend and explain. Right. You're kind of a made man, only in this case a woman. Yeah. Right. And I also I mean, I was just sort of going through her accomplishments or the things which her critics would say are not accomplishments. And I think she has, you know, I, I heard you earlier on the show at the very beginning saying, look, you know, she has a, a, a lot of room to um, to grow as a, as a politician. I mean, she yeah. has a lot of there are a lot of higher offices that I think could have her name on them. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, you look at this. She had turned a position, um, you know, the United Nations among Republican voters is seen as sort of a bastion of, of hatred of Israel. And she has completely inverted that. I mean, uh, we'll talk about the, the costs of doing so later. But, you know, she is she has put um, a lot of countries in a position to have to decide between do you want aid from the United States or will you back us on Israel? And not a lot of countries changed positions, but a number did. And I think the message was received. Um, and, you know, leaving the UN Human Rights Council 
over that issue, zeroing out the budget for the U.N. Relief Agency for Palestine Refugees. Again, we'll, we'll talk about how that might set back the peace process, but I think she has inverted the expectations of what the U.N. is yeah. all about in the minds of conservative voters. That's going to be a calling card in the future election. Her emphasis on budget cuts at the United Nations, pushing for efficiency. The budget cuts haven't been all that severe. I mean, they've got to run a tighter ship. And she's hammered Iran over and over and over again, you know, even inviting members of the Security Council down to D.C. to look at the U.S. is finally, quote unquote, speaking out here. But they're doing so in such a muted way that I'm afraid uh, that we are getting into a situation where Saudi Arabia doesn't even see the need to provide evidence that this guy's alive. They can say, look, we don't know what happened. The U.S. can say we tried to do something. And then the message is sent to critics of the Saudis to not even try to speak out. It's a pretty horrific is this the result of the buddy-buddy uh, thing between Jared Kushner and uh, the, the Crown Prince? It doesn't help, right? You're not getting any message from the U.S. that this is in unacceptable behavior, and that's unfortunate. Amazing. You can follow Luke on Twitter at The Courier, Luke Vargas. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Tom. Hi, I'm Randy, and this is Dave. We're the founders of Bombas, makers of the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. So comfortable, we sold and donated over 8 million pairs. Yes, donated. Why? We learned that socks are the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. So we started Bombas with the mission of donating a pair of socks for every pair we sell. To donate and sell a lot of socks, we became obsessed with comfort. We reinvented the sock from the ground up using the best materials available. Like the softest and most comfortable cotton. Getting rid of what wasn't working. Like that annoying toe seam you can probably feel if you wiggle your toes right now. And inventing a few new comfort innovations along the way. Like arch support that feels like a hug around your midfoot. It worked. People tried them, loved them, told their friends about them. Helping us sell and donate over 8 million pairs. Try them now at bombas.com slash Tom and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash T-H-O-M. Bombas.com slash Tom. Wow. All this money that's going into all these Republican candidates, it is starting to flow Big time now, the hundreds of millions of dollars from the Koch Network and from other billionaire groups. According to the Washington Post and other papers, they are running ads that are just outright deceptive, that are lying about the Democratic candidates, that are lying or distorting their positions in ways that, uh, in my opinion, qualify as lies. It's really remarkable. And another heads up, Political Voices Network has just launched uh, at the website leftisright.com. They also have an app for the iPhone, and it's in the App Store. It's called PVN, or Political Voices Network, and they carry our show uh, live. Just, just a heads up, you know, more and more of these things. A Fox News guest was pranked into thinking that Kavanaugh's protesters were being paid I haven't gotten my money. It was a joke. Trump thought it was real, and he's tweeting about it this morning. I couldn't remember if it was Tammy Duckworth or Tammy Baldwin who had, I mix up my Tammies, who had coined the phrase cadet bone spurs. It was apparently Tammy Duckworth of Illinois as opposed to Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin. But Tammy Baldwin has now filed a discharge petition to force a Senate vote. Now, Mitch McConnell has been blocking this vote on whether or not to allow junk insurance policies in the marketplace. Right now, by law, you know, and this is part of Obamacare, you can buy a junk insurance policy that is a policy that doesn't cover pre-existing conditions and doesn't cover a whole lot of things. Might not cover surgery, might not cover ERs. I mean, everyone's different. They've got this whole list of exclusions, but they can basically take out anything they want. And you can buy these policies cheap, you know, 100 bucks a month or whatever. 
But the whole point of them is if you lose your job and you're out of work and you don't have a lot of money and you're trying to find a job and in the next two, three, four months, you're going to get a new job. You want something to bridge you over if you had employer paid insurance. And so the junk insurance policies were supposed to do that for up to a three month period, up to 90 days. So, you know, it's kind of disaster insurance. Well, Trump wants to extend that to three years. And there's a bill that has been proposed by the Democrats to block that, to say, no, it's got to be 90 days or nothing. And Mitch, and, and it may well pass the Senate. And Mitch McConnell has been refusing to hold a vote on it. Tammy Baldwin has filed a discharge petition. The discharge position basically says we're going to ignore what the majority leader wants and we're just going to do it. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court just agreed with Brett Kavanaugh. This is interesting. When he was on the uh, D.C. appeals court, there was an EPA rule that came about during the Obama era that said that this class of chemicals that contribute to global warming, they're, they're generally referred to as hydrofluorocarbons, HFCs, and they're used in industry primarily for cooling. They were originally put in to replace the ones that killed the ozone. But these things are super global warming chemicals. And so we said, no, you can't have those anymore. And Kavanaugh struck that down and it was appealed to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court let Kavanaugh's ruling stand. So now you can pour all the chemicals of this kind you want into the environment, no problem. Industry, keep making your money. It's going to destroy the planet, but who cares? Hey, Brett Kavanaugh and his buddies, his other four buddies, his other four right-wing buddies on the Supreme Court, well-financed by the hard right, which is well-financed by the fossil fuel billionaires. In a further attack on Obamacare, the Trump administration now is planning hours-long downtime for maintenance at healthcare.gov during the coming Obamacare sign-up period. The sign-up period, I believe, runs from November through uh, the end of December. It used to be through the end of January. Uh, Obama cut it back. I think it's, he's cut it down to six or eight weeks now. It used to be three months. And that's the time that you go to healthcare.gov to sign up for a new Obamacare policy. Gee, what a surprise. Healthcare.gov is not going to work when you're trying to do that. This is amazing. The federal government is again asking a judge to suspend proceedings in a climate case. This is in Eugene. There's a bunch of young people. James Hansen and his uh, granddaughter are participating with this. It's from a Eugene nonprofit called Our Children's Trust. And they're basically saying climate change is uh, going to kill us, our generation. The Trump administration has specifically now gone to a judge and say, block this hearing. So, you know, hang on. I'll bring you up to date on what's going on in that. There's a number of things that I find very interesting. Donald Trump, yesterday afternoon, after he spoke to a police chief's group down in Florida and told them that the people who attacked Kavanaugh were, according to one of our callers in the last hour, quote, evil. Yes, tell the police that the women are evil. That will work out really well. After he did that, he flew back from Florida, flew back to, the, to Washington, D.C., at great expense to you and me, the taxpayers, and said on national television, and I quote, on behalf of our nation, I want to apologize to Brett and the entire Kavanaugh family for the terrible pain and suffering you have been forced to endure. Those who step forward to serve our country deserve a fair and dignified evaluation, not a campaign of personal and political destruction based on lies and deception. So he came right out and called Christine Blasey Ford a liar. 
He said that the process that, uh, that Dr. Ford participated in, or Dr. Blasey Ford, quote, violates every notion of fairness, decency, and due process. You, sir, under historic scrutiny, were proven innocent. Well, no, he wasn't proven innocent. The FBI was prohibited from interviewing the corroborating witnesses who might have proved him guilty. Earlier in the day, Trump told reporters Kavanaugh's nomination, quote, was caught up in a hoax that was set up by the Democrats using the Democrats' lawyers. It was all made up. It was fabricated. It's a disgrace. And Christine Ford, Christine Blasey Ford, still cannot go home. And this is making it even worse. When the president of the United States calls you a liar, a hoaxer, can you imagine how Deborah Ramirez and, and Ford and Swetnick must be feeling right now? And perhaps more importantly, would any future woman who might want to come forward and, and speak about what some politician or anybody for that matter, any man for that matter, had done to them, how, how terrifying this must be to have the president of the United States go after that. And in fact, Fox News has been playing this up so much, so aggressively. I shared with you yesterday how they had racialized all this, weirdly enough that Tucker Carlson and, and uh, Ann Coulter and Laura Ingram and, uh, you know, Janine Pirro, I think her name is, hosts on Fox News are saying, well, it's all because Kavanaugh's white. That's why, that's why they brought these women out against him. Gorsuch was white. Gorsuch took a stolen seat. I mean, the Democrats were seriously pissed off about Gorsuch. But Nobody accused him of, of rape or attempted rape. They have been so aggressive about this on Fox that this poor guy, this, this poor guy in the military, there's a really nice picture of him wearing his naval whites, navy whites, with a big smile on his face. And his mom, under the name Blue Star Navy Mom 3, Maria Reynolds apparently is her name, his mom tweeted the picture along with these words. This is my son, mine in caps. He graduated number one in boot camp. He was awarded the USO award. He was number one in A school. He is a gentleman who respects women. He won't go on solo dates during, due to the current climate of false sexual accusations by radical feminists with an ax to grind. I vote. Hashtag him too. Yes. Fox and right-wing hate radio are promoting this him too meme and saying that we should all be like Mike Pence. Do not have dinner with a woman all by yourself. Don't go on a date with a woman all by yourself because the women have organized a conspiracy against men, says Fox News and the right-wing hate machine. And this poor mother bought it and her son is now having to go out and say, no, I do go on dates. I'm not afraid of these women. Come on. Stop watching Fox News. This is tragic. You can read the whole story over at Huffington Post. A number of actually other things that are in the news. We talked with Lori last week about the whole NAFTA thing. There's a really interesting piece in Huffington Post right now. It says that the uh, new NAFTA rewrite that Trump has written is like a lobbyist's paradise. It provides, and I'm quoting from the article, uh, the, the headline is Trump's new NAFTA shows what he really cares about. Generous protections for Republican-aligned industries, including big pharma and fossil fuel polluters, no meaningful environmental protections, weak consumer safeguards, 
and no mechanism to enforce the moderately improved labor standards contemplated by the deal. So they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to raise the minimum wage to $16 an hour in Mexico. No enforcement mechanism. So it's going to be laughed at, of course, that part of it. And that's the only part of it that's any good. The, they can enforce, however, the we're going to let you pollute. We're going to let you poison people. We're going to let, you know, we're going to let Big Pharma raise their prices. U.S. Chamber of Commerce is giddy. Thomas Donahoe says, this is wonderful. It's modernizing NAFTA, the Business Roundtable, which is a lobbying operation that exclusively represents CEOs. They said, we are encouraged by this agreement. The Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, better known as Pharma, is positively giddy. If you're a corrupt monopolist, chances are Trump's new NAFTA has something for you. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Now, the one thing that people have been asking about is what can you do about this situation with the court? And I just wanted to give you a little bit of history here. In 1789, uh, right after the Constitution was ratified, Congress passed a law. So the Constitution doesn't set up the, uh, the uh, Supreme Court and the inferior courts. It gives Congress the ability to do so. I mean, it establishes the Supreme Court, but it, but, it, but it doesn't say how many people or anything like that. So in 1789, the same year the Constitution was ratified, Congress passed the, what was called the Judiciary Act of 1789 and established that the Supreme Court would exist and would have six members. They didn't even create a building for it. Right? These guys met like, you know, in the basement of the, of the, of the Capitol. Um, but in 1800, when Thomas Jefferson was elected and John Adams was on his way out, and Adams hated Jefferson, uh, in the lame duck, they wanted to make sure this was the Federalists were leaving, right? Jefferson just trashed the Federalists. The Federalists, this was the last time the Federalists controlled both branches of, you know, with Adams, both branches of Congress and the White House. They just lost terribly. It was kind of the beginning of the end of the Federalists. So in the lame duck session before Jefferson came in in 1800, they reduced the size of the court down to five members so that Jefferson wouldn't be able to appoint anybody. Now, after the new Congress came in, they reversed that. That's what happened. So you've got one precedent for changing the number of members of the court for purely political purposes, right, based on who's president. The second one was Lincoln. As new circuit courts were opened, each time a new circuit was opened, they had to add a new member to the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court members up until 1891 rode the circuit, was the phrase, uh, a couple of months out of the year. And so they were up to 10 members of the court when Lincoln was president. When Lincoln was assassinated, Andrew Johnson came in. He was a pro-slavery. In fact, he was a slave owner. In fact, he had bought his first slave, a 14-year-old girl named Dolly, and produced three children with her. Uh, Andrew Johnson, the, the president of the United States after Lincoln was killed, uh, they didn't want him to be able to appoint any Supreme Court justices because they, you know, this is the radical Republicans, the anti-slavery Republicans. They were afraid that he would put, um, you know, right-wing Democrats on the court. And so they reduced the number of justices. They took it down to seven. And then in the election of 1868, Ulysses S. Grant, who was anti-slavery, became president. And so they raised it back up to nine, which is where it's been ever since. So after Lincoln was assassinated, they changed the number of Supreme Court justices to mess with a president. And after Adams lost the election of 1800, they changed the number of members of the court. So I think that changing the number of members of the court, should the Democrats take the House, the Senate, and the White House, changing the number of members of the court to 11 or 13 is the entirely appropriate You're thing to do. listening to the Tom Hartman program. And in fact, I think it's going to be one of the loud cries that you're going to hear should that day come that the Democrats are once again in control of all three branches of government.
Take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen and boom, you just created nitric oxide, a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health, keeping you vibrant. But as we all age, our bodies need help generating more natural nitric oxide. Superbeets by Human N has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets and created a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. The core philosophy of Human N is to develop heart-healthy products for your body. One teaspoon of Superbeats daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without the need of a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. We're talking real. We're talking healthy, natural energy. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats and free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the 1 plus 1 equals boom effect of Superbeats. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. Martha in Winter Haven, Florida, listening on 88.5 FM, one of our Pacifica affiliates down in Florida. Hey, Martha, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I am as frustrated as can be by the lack of clear messaging from the Democratic Party yet again. Mm. And one of the issues that it just crazy that the Dems aren't taking it and beating the GOP over the head with it is the deficit. The tax cut blew the deficit to historic proportions. And this is the party that just two years ago was insisting that any new spending that President Obama wanted had to be offset by spending cuts elsewhere. Did you catch, Martha, the news this morning that they just, the House just, I mean, it was a couple of days ago that the House voted, it's going to the Senate now, to raise the deficit by another $543 billion, uh, half yeah, a trillion dollars, by, by extending the tax cuts? Yes. Isn't that convenient mm-hmm. that our principles for the GOP are so, you know, bedrock when there's a Democrat in the White House and then when a Republican gets in, it just all goes away. It's the same thing that happened with George Bush. You know, Ronald Reagan began this great tradition of um, running massive deficits, but yet somehow managing through Republican hocus pocus to hang the Dems with the label of tax and spend and, you know, deficit spenders and fiscally irresponsible. And it's like the childhood taunt, you know, uh, I'm rubber and you're glue. That's yeah. exactly what's happening here. The deficit that we're looking at now has the potential to literally undo our society if it blows up. And we're on track for it to blow up in a terrible way. Yeah, if interest rates go up two points, the interest on the national debt will be greater than what we're paying the Pentagon. And right now, it's it's mind-boggling. It's far more than we're spending on all our social programs combined. And this is not something new, and it's not something accidental. This is a strategy that Jude Wininsky laid out in, I believe, 1976 in the Wall Street Journal, a two Santa Claus theory that when Republicans come into office, spend like drunken sailors, run up the debt, and then when Democrats come into office, scream about the debt and force the Democrats to shoot their own Santa Claus, Social Security and Medicare. And this is a calculated, well-thought-out, well-coordinated strategy that began with the Reagan administration. Ronald Reagan came into office. The national debt was $800 billion, less than a trillion. When he left, it was $2.1 trillion, actually. And they're continuing to do it. Our national debt now is over $20 trillion. And they just added, like, another half a trillion dollars to the debt, or they're intending to. And why? because they're getting ready for the Democrats. You're listening to Tom Hartman. 
Brian in Dubuque, Iowa. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind? Donald Trump gave a speech to the Police Chiefs Association yesterday, I think right. it was. Yeah, it was yesterday, uh, either late morning, early afternoon, because he flew back to the White House after that for his Brett Kavanaugh thing. I could only stomach like five minutes of it, but Trump literally said to the chiefs of police that the people who went after Kavanaugh are evil. Wow. And then he said it again, those people are evil. Wow. Now... Let me just say something. I'm not a perfect human being, and I'm not a strict moralist, but I have some morals and I have some principles that, that, that I try to believe in. But if Barack Obama or anyone else had said, I can go into the street and shoot someone, I wouldn't lose a vote, had been caught on tape bragging about sexually assaulting women, were convicted, convicted of fraud, right. and had to pay two, $25 million restitution to the people they harmed with Trump University. Trump University. People don't know this? Like, none of, none of that puts up a red flag anywhere? I yeah, mean, I, I mean, this is, this is a missing? failure of democratic messaging, basically, is what's going on here. And part of that is that the Democrats don't have the giant media infrastructure that the Republicans have. They don't have a thousand radio stations across the country yeah, carrying you're right, continuous, continuous democratic programming like the Republicans have. They don't have a billionaire-owned network entirely devoted 24-7, no. 365 to uh, democratic messaging the way the Republicans have. And right, many Tom. of the newspapers across the country, in fact, the majority of the newspapers across the country, are Republican or conservative. On top of that, you got all these free newspapers, you know, that are passed out in the major cities and or cheap newspapers in some cases. They are literally, I mean, in D.C., you can't get onto a subway in the morning without somebody trying to hand you a free newspaper. And it's 16 pages of right-wing, you know, just dripping venom, you know, right out of Fox News kind of stuff. And Democrats have no infrastructure like that. This is something that was built as a result of the Powell Memo in 1971. They built this through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and now they are using it. And until some very large donors on the Republican side get whiff of this and, and figure out what the hell is going on, or until Congress acts and says, no, we are going to restrict the use of money in politics, billionaire money and corporate money in politics, which is going to take either a constitutional amendment or a change in the Supreme Court to reverse things like Citizens United and Buckley. Until that happens, it's going to continue being this way. And that's the scary thing. But those changes that could happen could happen as the result of changes on the Supreme Court. But anyhow, yeah. Donna in Hillsdale, Michigan. Hey, Donna, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Um, quick, quick little story. Uh, during our primary, mm -hmm. I marched myself over to my neighbor's house, got her out of bed, and said, come on, we're going to vote. Good and on you. I, <laughs> and she argued with me for a few minutes and then gave up, and we went and voted, and I have created a monster. How so? Because she's over here all the time now talking about politics. But that's fine that's with great. me because I have plenty to talk about. But my question for you is, Given all the lies that Kavanaugh told and has told, not just in the most recent hearing, but in the previous one, is, is it possible that if the Democrats take the House and the Senate, that he could be impeached? Uh, it's possible. It's extremely unlikely. The Republicans are hoping it will happen because they know that they, it'll be almost impossible to get 66 votes to convict in the Senate. In fact, I'd say... 
even if the Democrats pick up two or three Senate votes, it would be impossible. So it would be used by the Republicans as a talking point. In fact, they already are. They're already running ads saying, you know, these Democrats want to impeach Kavanaugh, you know, vote for the Republican. They're trying to stir Republican outrage. He would have to be impeached under the impeachment provision of the Constitution as a federal officer. And that requires a simple majority vote in the House, which could be pulled off if the House is taken by Democrats. But it requires a two-thirds majority in the Senate, which would be 66 votes. And that just is not going to happen. both of them would have to be... That's correct. The House votes to impeach, which is essentially an indictment, and then the Senate has a trial. They actually call witnesses and all that kind of thing, and it's overseen, by the way, by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, which will be interesting, or would be Mm -hmm. if it happened. And then two-thirds of the senators have to vote. And they tried this with uh, Mr. Chase back in the uh, 1806s, I recall, or 1803. They were not able to get a conviction. That's the only time a Supreme Court justice has been impeached. They've had two presidents impeached successfully uh, in the House, Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton. Neither one of them were convicted in the Senate, in fact, in both cases by one vote. So uh, that's, that's the situation, Don. So, so we're stuck with him. I think so. I, I, I really do, uh, and probably for a long, long time. Uh, Donna, thank you for the call. Dana in High Point, North Carolina. Hey, Dana, thanks for watching uh, watching us on YouTube. What's on your mind? Hi, Tom. Um, I thought of a topic suggestion for a slogan for the Dems, besides the obvious lion Bart, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's that we're approaching a trillion dollars a year in deficits. What the tax cut did is put an extra $200 billion a year on the U.S. credit card and gave it to billionaires who don't have to pay it back. We do. Why are we going broke, borrowing money way beyond our ability to pay, and giving it to billionaires? Yeah. You know, the billionaires don't have enough. We have to borrow billions more to give to them. Yeah. I don't know if people see this direct relationship that we're basically going further into hawk, and that a large chunk of that money is being delivered right into the pockets of corporations and their stockholders. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dana. And not only that, say you're a, a billionaire and you get a tax cut, and you get a billion-dollar tax cut, and uh, what do you do with that money? Now, the, the way that the government borrows money is by issuing bonds and, you know, treasuries. You buy a billion dollars of the treasury bonds. So now the government not only cut your taxes, you're loaning your money, that tax cut, to the government, which needs it to use, and the government's paying you interest on it. So it's taxpayers are have to pay it back with interest. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's 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 the ultimate con job. It's just astonishing, but it shouldn't surprise rape us. On I mean, top of rape. yeah, coming from a con man. Dana, thank you. Well said. Had a caller a few minutes ago. Jonathan was his name, and he just suggested, and I think he has completely nailed it. What's going on with Nikki Haley today? I can't believe this was not so obvious to me. You'll recall a couple days ago when Lindsey Graham went off on his tirade on behalf of Brett Kavanaugh that I came back on the air the next day and I said, this is his tryout for Jeff Sessions' job. Jeff Sessions is going to be gone by January, in fact, probably before then. And Lindsey Graham wants to be the attorney general. And I'm betting that Donald Trump has already promised it to him. Well, Lindsey Graham is the senator from South Carolina that uh, Nikki Haley used to be the governor of. Here's the scenario. And Jonathan just nailed it. Jeff Sessions retires and goes back to being the, the most racist Keebler elf in Alabama. Lindsey Graham replaces him as attorney general. The governor of South Carolina, who's a Republican, replaces Lindsey Graham with, with Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley is now a United States senator for two years and gets to uh, create the basis for her re-election. Graham's seat is not up for re-election for two more years. And so Nikki Haley is in the Senate now. 
and she's perfectly positioned in 2024 to run for president. I don't, I don't know how, how I missed that. It's so obvious. Robert in New York City. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind today? Well, Tom, I've been listening to you for years. I, I normally disagree with you, but before you said about healthcare companies being not-for-profit, I almost jumped out of my seat that we finally agreed on something. Ha! Good. I love it. Good. Okay. Thank you, Robert. That's what you call to say? That's it. I That's mean, it. normally I disagree with you. I want to I wanna reach into the radio and, and strangle you, but this time I agreed with you. I was jumping out of... Jump for okay. joy. Okay. Well, next time you disagree with me, Robert, feel free to call. I, you know, I'll be reasonable. And, uh, you know, I okay. love debating people. So, uh, but Robert, thank you. That's, that's very, very kind of you. And uh, it's great to hear from you. Marcy in Elgin, Texas. Hey, Marcy, what's on your mind today? Hi. I wanted to talk about mob. I'm so tired of hearing mob because the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech are the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's a mob. That's us. That's us. That protects our right to be a mob. There was no mob activity going on. Nobody was armed. Nobody was shooting. You know? Well, let me ask the question. What was that in Charlottesville? Was that a mob? People that were armed with <laughs> Yeah, the tiki torch crowd, you know, I, that looked like a mob to me. What about the tea parties? I mean, you know, if this is how they're defining a mob, oh, people well, who are expressing they political came opinions. They came out there with guns. They yeah. came out there with guns. Oh, they so killed somebody in Charlottesville. They killed right. Heather Heyer. The First Amendment right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, absolutely. And, and, and this whole thing of uh, rebranding Democrats as a mob, this was a Richard Nixon strategy that he did after the 68 convention that helped him get elected in 68, rebranding those protesters as a mob. He did it again in 72 with the anti-Vietnam War protests. And now his acolyte, uh, Roger Stone, in all probability has told Donald Trump, you want to win? Start calling these people a mob. It worked for us back then. It'll work again. I don't think it's going to work, but we'll see. Marcy, thank you. Very well said. What a day, huh? We'll be back tomorrow with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.